I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Ends, the weekly podcast where Dad and I just sort of shoot the shit to keep you company. Um, How are you doing this week, Dad? You all right? Paul, as per usual, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling uh, very good. I feel positive. Uh, the weather here in Sydney is sensational. I'm sleeping well. Good. Christine and I started a new series last night. We watched five episodes back to back. I have now. I have no idea what this is. I thought you were going to say Night Stalker, which was that new true crime series, which I'd like to talk to you about oh, at some mate, point. We we watched that. That is, I I'd like to. I'm glad you mentioned it. Mm. Can we commend that to all our listeners all over well, the world? I was going to say that it, it feels like it's two shows in one. One of them is an extremely good true crime detective story about a really interesting detect- rookie detective. Um, and, it- and then there's the other part, which I feel is a, is a filmmaker wanting to make a narrative film and doing these really aggressively overwrought David Fincher-style um, you know, reenactments. They'll enter a house and there'll be super slow-mo of a hammer falling and a moth struggling in a pool mm. as some sort of metaphor. So I mm. feel if you can strip away all the kind of stylistic bs you've got yourself a really compelling four-part true crime series but forgive me dad what's the series that you've started binging it's called cloud nine cloud have, you, nine. have you heard of it no so, what's it on sort of like filmed in a the equivalent of a big like kmart mm-hmm. um sort of target type store and it's just about the staff but it's it's a comedy you sure it's called cloud nine i think i think it's called cloud nine i think it's called superstore oh okay Hang on, I think I saw this on Netflix, Superstore. I think it runs for five seasons, Superstore TV series. Yeah, so... I don't know where I got Cloud9 from. No, it's a a sitcom on Netflix. It looks like their latest season has them wearing masks, which is great. I don't recognize any of the cast, which doesn't mean anything, really. Look, it's it's just so delightful and quirky. Mm. And I have never watched five episodes of anything in one evening. I'm so chuffed that you found yourself a comedy, just a oh, straight just, comedy. Well, we needed to, Christine and I seriously needed to pull back from um, crime because we watch um, Dexter, Yeah, we watch uh, Sherlock, we watch um, a lot oh, of true ele- crime. Ele- you mean elementary, right? Yeah, elementary. Yeah. Yeah. We watch a lot of um, a lot of Nordic noir. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know about the lady who was murdered and dismembered in the submarine. True story. What? Yeah, in um in Denmark. You don't know that story? Hang on, is this a true crime? Yeah, true crime. Oh what? god, it's in a fucking submarine? <laughs> yeah. But the good thing about the, the Danish portrayal, we watched that over two nights. It's gripping. 
Um, may I also commend that to everybody that has access. Um, it's the true story of a journalist that, look, it's just, it's a staggering, unbelievable story about it. it Christine and I actually discussed at length this particular Danish um, sort of a, it's a documentary kind of drama, mm-hmm. sort of adaptation on a true story. Um, it's a horrendous story. And what it shows you, it's one of the best examples of what it is actually like to be a detective. It's no frills. It's um, one of the great things about the series. It's a short series. Mm-hmm is that they don't ever show the offender. And I think that's really good. What do you think about... I mean, one of the things that rears its head in Night Stalker and that really troubled me, and it was something I was kind of tangentially aware of, and that was, do you think that when you... um, when you broadcast the, for lack of a better term, accomplishments of a let's say a serial killer or, you know, a criminal who is trying to make kind of themselves, you know, trying to get themselves out there publicly. Do you think you are giving them what they want? You are giving them attention. And do you think there's a, do you think there is merit to not necessarily giving them the airtime and giving them a cool name and sort of covering them? Because in Night Stalker, um, the killer actually had groupies. Um, He did. He married one. Wait, Night, Night Stalker? Yep. Did he? Well, I've done some behind-the-scenes research, Paul, as I tend to do. Yeah, but do you think that would have happened if the press hadn't have crafted a character almost based on him and then pushed that as a story? No, because he was a very... Apart from when he opened his mouth, I don't want to give too much away, but if he kept his mouth closed, he was... And you can't deny... Unique-looking. He was... Well, I think he was... He could have... In fact, I said to Christine, if he had a gone on the straight and narrow, he could easily have been a male model. How do you th- what do you think about that? He does have amazing cheek... Incredible. Amazing Chiseled. Cheekbones. I mean, really, he's, you know... in, And there were women in the court that were, well, sitting in the stalls. Um, salivating. It was crazy. Yeah, I'd go but so far as to use other um, metaphors. Per- percolating in the nether regions. I think mm. one of my problems was that there was a real sense that some people, I think, were into him because he was famous, right? Mm, mm. I think there was a certain degree of, holy shit, the most famous person in the world right now is famous for hurting people, but there's a kind of allure to that. And I think, I, I mean, it's different now, given that social media lets people be kind of momentarily famous much easier. You have more likelihood of getting known in some sort of meme or whatever, you know, or some news grab mm, mm. than you ever did. And maybe that sort of dissipated this weird, just this fervor for anyone who has been on television, anyone who is vaguely famous. Mm. I'm but wondering Paul, how... Yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, the most troubling aspect of this particular guy, in my opinion, mm. and what made it so difficult to track him down, was the fact that there was no pattern in his victim choosing now I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to go into it at this stage. I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to do a whole. Mate, you and I could talk about this series, mm-hmm. but this has sort of come out of the blue a little bit. But maybe if we can get enough traction and enough people to watch it, 
then perhaps you and I could really get into it. But we don't want to do... We want people to watch it first. We, we don't want to sort of spoil things. Uh, one, one caveat I will give, Dad, is that I think it's probably more graphic than most... Definitely. You know, I mean, they do this really... Th- they do something which I don't love. And this I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think about this. And the filmmaker has made this choice to show extremely violent crime scene photographs with the eyes blacked out, which is, you know, that's... I mean, that's... That's, that's fine. That's standard, that's, yep. It, yeah, that's how you choose to do it. Yeah, yep. And then some cool camera cuts and then really upbeat synthy 80s music to make it feel like a genre piece. Hmm. And it feels a little exploitative and it feels like it cheapens some of the, the violence to me because, yes, it's objectively cool. The, the cinematography, the editing, the music, it's all very cool. But you've just cut away from a photo of someone's actual dead grandmother and six minutes of their relatives grieving mm. with, with no music, and I feel mm. I, ju- I just feel like that's interesting, Paul. A, yeah, I think stylistically it's a bit of a mess. But okay, hidden hidden in there is genuinely. I mean, I was watching this with Tegan, and she turned to me and said, "That's Dad. That's John," because um, the lead detective is this rookie cop who becomes a detective mm. and gets paired up with far more senior people. And, mm. is, and there were just a lot of parallels there. Mm. Um, That's very sweet you, of you and Tegan to say yeah. Um, but I, so we, one of the things I found striking in, that, in this series mm. is that they had, and I think it was, I don't know whether I've ever, in fact, I, I've never seen what I'm about to describe ever portrayed in a documentary. And that is that they showed the actual crime scene photographs. They then did a mock-up of the same crime, body in situ, but an actor, of course, or two yes. bodies. Yeah. The detail was a carbon copy it was, of the actual yeah, it was, crime scene. Yeah. I think that is fascinating. Um, a hell of a lot of extra work to go to, and I don't know whether everyone would really appreciate it. And I think... It's so fascinating. You have to ask yourself, why would you do that? I mean, they can make it... Obviously, what it, I guess, does is it shows a photograph of a crime scene which is one-dimensional, and then he creates, he or she, with a a massive team, no doubt, they create a three-dimensional walkthrough of the room. Have you ever seen that done before? No. The most notable one was with the first victim, um, who I believe was an Asian American who was attacked. She was, I think, quite young, actually. And she was on the floor of her apartment. Oh, that's right. She'd answered the door because he came to actually... Yeah, she answered the door. Her roommate was out of the apartment at that point. Um, The roommate, by the way... Dad, have we just accidentally pivoted into making this an episode about Night Stalker? I'm fine if we have. Like, I have no mm. problem doing that. But yeah, so they, they basically got what looked like an actor and used some kind of 3D graphics to have the camera effectively zoom through a mm. 3D rendered version of the crime scene photograph because then you see the photo and it's exactly the same. Exactly. It was f- and- in fact, some of the walkthrough mm. footage of, of like a body on a bed and the yeah. blood was just, it was, it was everywhere. Mm. But I was thinking at first it was so well done that I was actually considering that these, that these could be actual um, movie footage from the actual day of the murder oh, really? but then i began to realize that it was a mock-up but i mentioned um a particular crime within this um series yeah to a friend and uh because of what i mentioned that friend of mine and the wife on the spot 
um, quite adamantly mm. declared that under no circumstances they were going to watch that series because of the particular um, crime and the age of the victim that I mentioned. Yeah. So I think I know the crime you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but the um, thing is, how weird is it, Paul, that you and I are talking about it? And basically, if, if you and I were doing a film review, we'd have people just running at their TV sets wanting to sit down and watch it because we're creating a sort of a sense of, God, what Antis- anticipation. Uh, yeah, I think so. But what's interesting that is I've had friends of mine, you know, struggle reading Electric Blue and basically say, Paul, I tried to read it, but it was just too violent um, for my tastes and I don't think I can read it based on the crimes. And I want to kind of tell them, look, it's really not about the gore. I mean, mm. there is some gore in Electric Blue, but it's not. I don't think it's excessive. But then I need to remember that the tolerance that you and I have, and especially our listeners and the readers of the books, true crime fans have a really high tolerance for this stuff. They do. You can't just take a non-true crime person and show them crime scene photographs and expect them to be okay because I don't think you're meant to be okay. I think Mm. it's meant to affect you on some level. You Mm. told me and the listeners, I think several times, that the moment this stuff stops affecting you, you probably should quit the job because you don't. Mm. It's a good. It's a good thing to connect emotionally on some level because it, you know, it, it's evidence of your humanity. But mm. I mean, watching Night Stalker was it weird for you watching crimes that were happening while you were on the force? Oh, that's so fascinating, Paul. I was I was a young police officer during this, and yeah. um, it's one of the most horrendous stories uh, that I've ever heard, and I'm surprised that I didn't know much about it nor did i um it was interesting the tabloids of the day were coming up with all these different terms as to how to describe him because editors love to come up with a a title and the term night stalker was probably the fourth sort of descriptive term that was actually that gained traction yeah A a couple of the others weren't dare i say it crash hot and then um I mean, the thing that made this, and this guy travelled as well, um, but one of the, t- the the terrible aspects of this documentary, and this is not a spoiler alert, was it um, it revealed high level police incompetence, and I found who, that really upsetting. Who do you think were the incompetent cops? Well, it was, was it was process. It was a lot of a lot of the problems in America is that the agencies, of which there are numerous, reluctantly share information. They would prefer yeah. not to because they're, they're into the kudos. It's about getting credit for the thing. Getting credit. And at and one point, yeah, there was a one point where basically, I mean, we've, we've, we keep seeing this in these fucking Netflix true crime documentaries. There's basically two recurring narratives. One is different police forces um, not cooperating. We saw this in the case of... Who was it? Uh, Bundy. Mm. Um, With Ted Bundy, where he basically would cross state lines and different police departments had different systems and also didn't want to communicate. So Mm. you could basically just get a bit of a reset in Mm. terms of your the pursuit. And the other narrative we see is, uh, I would say, middle-aged male cops with Sherlock Holmes complexes who think they're king shit, Mm. basically picking a 
direction for the case and then mm. because of pride or whatever refusing mm. to budge when the evidence is screaming at them we saw it with the amanda knox case the yorkshire ripper yep with the yorkshire ripper it's exactly terrible. the same thing now in this case i don't think we saw that in this no. case i think we saw people actually doing honest to god work and kind of stymied mm. but what about one- that that police what about the the car Oh, the fucking car where they had the yeah. So and they they impounded. This, yeah. Well, there's a car involved, and yeah. someone got um, a partial registration, mm. and they identified this car, and they impounded it, and the two homicide detectives that mm-hmm. are basically running the show. They wanted the car to be fingerprinted. It stayed in this yard outdoors for at least weeks, possibly months. In the sun. In the sun Mm -hmm. and all the terrible weather and nothing happened to it. They go back to the car, they locate it and they did a forensic search, which actually was not all that forensic. It was just open up the car and have a look around Mm -hmm. and they find something, don't they, Paul? Remember that card they find? Oh, shit. So, listeners, if you are sitting here thinking, God, I would love to watch this show, pause this episode, go and watch it. It's four episodes. You'll burn through it, like, in a night. And then just check back in with this episode, I reckon, at some point during this week. But consider this, yeah, this episode is, by this point, Dad, they will have seen uh, The Night Stalker in their feed. So, that's what mm. this episode's going to be called, all right? Okay, it is, cool. This is now a Night Stalker recap episode, okay? I love it. Okay, so they find the card mm, belonging to to the dentist. at this stage a, sus, a suspect, but mm. it's a dental card yeah. with a time and date and appointment, mm-hmm. and they know this guy has got. I'm just trying to remember how they know. Well, maybe they don't know he's got really bad teeth, but that's well, one no, of they, the features. It was in the description. Yeah, it, there were several descriptions well, that's right, of you're bad right. teeth. You're yeah. right. People had, had described. And he, they said he had a terrible, terrible smell yeah. emanating from his body. Mm. Um, he was very tall. But, Paul, they find this card. It was a breakthrough. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So they organise, or try to organise, yeah. a stakeout. At the dentist's office, because they figure he's... Well, they go there first, chat with the dentist, and the dentist says, look, he's going to have to come back because... He had an abscess. Gonna, yeah, and, and an abscess is going to... He's going to need to come back and get that treated within mm. the next few days. Mm. And then the two homicide detectives yep. have to get an undercover squad to, to work. Yeah. However, the B word budget senior police said we're not going to authorize payment for the overtime mm-hmm. and uh, and they pulled all the the three undercover staff that were sitting in the surgery waiting for this guy to return and then the poor detectives in in desperation set up this really dodgy shitty probably what's a shitty electronic store um, that one that used to be all over, but still all over America. Radio oh, Shack. Like Radio Shack. But With respect. No, I mean, I'm not my, saying it's a shitty store, but they set my, up this kind of weird alarm. No, the, my understanding was that my understanding was the cop. So, th- my understanding was jurisdiction was a problem. So, the mm. cops whose jurisdiction the the, the um, dentist office fell into basically said, "Look, technically, this is our area, so we're going to put uh, we, we're going to take your guys out of there, and we're just going to whack in an alarm system which will go off. The, Correct. The um the dentist can press it when yeah. he's there." Yep. Yep. So, the dentist calls the police and says, what happened? Where where were you? I had Mm. the guy in my seat. I was pushing this bloody button Mm. and it it malfunctioned. And by the time the police get there, the guy's long gone. I mean, that's just... It's a series of events over a period of time. And the big thing when you're investigating... um, a crime like that where it's a serial killer mm-hmm. is that you are very, very much aware of the fact that your your stuff-ups, your inaction is contributing to the death and abduction and sexual assault yeah. of more people. Because it continues. I mean- it continues. And that's what... It was so traumatic- on the police officers' private private lives. Yeah. Um, Did you ever have cases like that that kind of impacted you outside of work? Yes, Paul. I um, I was sitting in the car in my ute this morning mm. listening to the ABC. It was between 9 and 10 a.m. this morning on um, Radio National. Mm-hmm. And they were interviewing an ex-Victorian um, police officer who worked in the air wing, mm-hmm. and uh, he's written a book. 
and I was listening to him talk and you know he suffered a few um sort of fairly traumatic events certainly no more traumatic than some of the stuff I've seen and um I don't think he went or got involved in forensics so I've really been to the dark side and I was sitting there and I felt relaxed and I'm listening to him talk and he is this particular guy I'd have to meet him he's so traumatized um by the events of his time in the uh, Victorian police force. He is mm-hmm. so traumatised that he cannot watch TV. He watches no news. He doesn't read newspapers. He he said he may appear, and friends often say that he's sort of a... just sort of completely tuned out, but he's so affected by his time in the Victorian police force that he cannot listen to any news because things trigger, um, you know, all these things but you know um there were quite a few events in in my career paul there was the the incredible story of the north shore rapist um who'd committed multiple rapes on the northern beaches and he um one night tried to break into our flat when your mother was at home and um she's by herself and the north shore rapist tried to get in through the bathroom you know the story don't you it's in electric blue yeah yeah and um he was spotted and um you know there was a whole sort of eventful evening but his eight eight of his fingerprints were found on the ledge going into our apartment um so that's fairly close i think you'll agree and then there's the case of the guy, and I, I don't want to do a spoiler because I'm not sure whether it's in this book or the next book, but remember the guy that rammed the, the police car? He was on LSD. Uh, and he we put him into the cells at North Sydney. Remember what he did? We're going to yes, talk about that in the future. That, yeah, that's... Um, that's and, then, in... and then he went up to the hospital and he... And my point being that I went home after after my shift and I'm and I flicked on the the news the, and they had this interrupt they interrupted the show for this live eye news on Channel Ten yeah and um there he was yeah that's in um that's in loose units that's in the first yeah. book I believe and we'll be talking about that but that's yeah. the thing about um you know when you clock off you know it, it's still happening in your mind and then of course being in the police force um if you witness an event that you know, requires sort of intervention and you're on ho- on holidays, case in point, that time when Christine was pregnant and she was kicked by the escapee. You remember that one? Yes. So that's... And I, I've been on holidays for four weeks. Yeah. So you kind of... You know, once you get into that sort of... that frame of mind, I think it'd be derogation of, of duty dereliction. on many, many levels. Dero, dero what? Dereliction of duty. Sorry, shit. Where did I get derivation? Yeah, dereliction of duty. It'd be like being on a plane, I suppose, and if you um if you knew how to do CPR and, and you just sat there and just didn't get involved and the person died, I guess you'd have to live with that. So, um yeah, it can be. But that show, Paul, that we're talking about is um it's incredible. Let's um, look at the scale of what this person did. So um and if you've seen the show, if you haven't seen the show, this is obviously a spoiler. I mean, no spo- it's no spoiler to know that uh, the killer was caught, which is good. But he was convicted of 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, 14 burglaries. Having said that, having said that, they decided not to charge him with uh, the 
child rape because they didn't want to drag children into a courtroom with this guy because they thought he's going to get life and the death penalty or the death penalty anyway. So why subject children to that trauma? Which I think is a really interesting call. Very fascinating, Paul. Um, you That's know, just I I totally understand their logic, but I yeah. also, you know, they would have to have consulted with the families yeah. of the victims. Uh, of the children mm. and said, look, um, we can guarantee that this is what is going to happen to him. Uh, basically, do you give us permission yeah. to um, to not, you know, charge him with these heinous offences? With the Ripper, with the Yorkshire Ripper, I remember one of the major fuck-ups was the, uh, the, the, the big police upstairs basically said at some point, yeah, no more victims. Mm. Like, stop, stop adding victims to this list. And mm. I remember at one point they had to actually tell this, uh, this I believe, the relative of one of the victims that the, they couldn't actually charge. Am I remembering this correctly? Am I misremembering this? That they couldn't add this person and have them oh, on the right. record. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it's um, it's quite incredible. I do understand um, without giving it too much away but wait no no i'm remembering des <laughs> i'm remembering the the drama the miniseries des that they did and where the, basically they were trying to tabulate all the people he killed i know it's based on true events but they and this actually happened but they were trying to figure out who he'd killed and yeah at some point it's like there was a cutoff for being able to actually attribute him but that gives closure and what this person wanted was they wanted that's right yeah. They wanted in court to have some justice doled out. So I, I think as far as a, if you were a parent, I'd like to think that you, your desire to make sure your child didn't have to live through any more trauma would mm. supersede your need for punitive justice. I yeah. Mean, God, that was ever, heavy. Did you ever encounter any... I, I, I'm, I assume we would have heard about this, but did you ever encounter any serial killers or were there any kind of operating in and around your beat at oh, any point? God, yeah. Serial killers, mate. Serial rapists. No, mate. killers. Not serial, like well, serial killers. Um, well, there was the granny killer. You know, he killed... Um, I'm not sure how many grannies he killed. Could be... I'm not quite sure. Could have been six in Mossman. Mossman area. Okay. Right. And when was so this? So that was... Well, that's um, back in the uh, back in the 80s. I'd need, to, I'd, I'd need to do a little bit of research on that. Yeah, for another time. But um, I mean, yeah, we got he, he was a serial killer. We've got serial killers in Australia. We had like Ivan Milat mm. over in was that Belangelo? But Paul, have a look how many missing people there are every year in Australia. Mm. Um, d- don't forget that as we all sit and talk and listen in the in our community of, of our, our podcasting community, mm. as we all are alive and conscious at this point in time. There are vile things happening as we speak. There have to be. There are people around the world that are in dungeons, locked away. There are serial killers. They just haven't been caught. And, Paul, also you must remember that in this story, The Night Stalker, wasn't it unbelievable that this junior homicide detective and he went out on a limb and he was pilloried and he was mocked Mm. by all the other police 
because he believed that there was a connection. And they just said, you're dreaming. Because there were some fascinating things. But imagine how many crimes there are that are actually connected, but are never ever found to be connected. Yeah. That is so fascinating. And the thing about this particular guy, don't forget, he would go on a rampage at night time. He'd kill two people, rape one of the kids. Then he would leave that house and go to another house that night and murder a few more people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what on earth was driving this guy? However, it needs to be said to the listeners that when this kid was a young boy, do you recall what his father used to do to him when he was naughty? Yes. He took him to a cemetery, tied him to a cross, and left him there all night. Yeah. Now, I'm not making excuses, but that's pretty fucked up on many levels. So, uh, yeah, creepy. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned the um, the granny killer, so I'm just going to read this quick bio because I didn't actually know about this. Over 13 months, beginning in March 1989, 4 and 20 pie salesman John Wayne Glover killed six elderly women in Sydney's affluent harborside suburb of Mossman, as you said, earning him the moniker The Granny Killer. His first victim was Gwendolyn Mitchell Hill, who he sneaked up behind as she went to enter a pump building. He hit her in the back of the head with a hammer oh, and stole money from her purse. In the subsequent murders, Glover usually attacked his victims with a hammer before removing their pantyhose and strangling them with the garment. He came to the attention of the police over a string of nursing home assaults that he also committed. When he was asked to attend a police interview, he attempted suicide and wrote a suicide note. The fucking coward. In the note, he had written no more grannies, leading to his arrest over the murders. But before his arrest, he would kill one more woman. He was sentenced to multiple life prison terms and hanged himself in jail in 2005. I'm looking at this photo of him. He looks sort of middle-aged, a bit soft, a bit doughy, kind of harmless. I mean... You said doughy, Paul. That... that Goes well with the pie salesman thing, doesn't it? That's very bad press for four and twenty. Thank just, you. Also, what's a pie salesman? Uh, a salesman that sells pies. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, one of my problems with with the cool name like Granny Killer, Night Stalker, you know, the Boston Strangler, whatever you want to call these people, once they've got that name, I feel like if if I was a serial killer and I was trying to get people's attention. The moment when that name stuck in the press would be, if anything, impetus for me to continue because I would feel like I've been given my bat suit, like mm. I've been given my... You know, I, I feel like it empowers the killer. Mm. And what I was asking at the start of the episode, Dad, do you think there is some merit to just not giving them what they want? And to that end, should the press even be reporting on this stuff until it's resolved? Paul, mate, I I hear where you're coming from, but the, the press... Mm-hmm. Have a have a civil duty. If we're talking a serial killer, yeah, we the public have a right to be able to protect ourselves, perhaps more. Now, if he has a certain mo, it, with the North Shore rapist, for example, he his general mo was to scale like a cat burglar high rise apartments on the beaches mm-hmm. because women generally felt safe being up high and didn't need to lock their sliding glass door going out onto their balcony. Yeah. Now, if we find out that a rapist or a murderer 
is scaling buildings, so tall buildings. You can take measures to You can stop take that. measures. Yeah. I mean, if I'm living in that situation and I know there's there's a serial killer getting around, I am going to lock my door. Yeah. Lock all the doors. And I'll be just that little bit more vigilant. And when I come into the entrance to the building, if I think there's or even if I'm not aware that there's some major thing happening, I'm always really safe and, and conscious yeah. of, of just just basic rules, basic common sense. And um, because you've got a kind of, you don't want to be paranoid, but if there is a dead set, imagine the suburb that you and Tegan live in or where I live or where all our listeners are. Imagine if in that, in, or it's a country town. Let's imagine if it's a country town in Australia or overseas and then all of a sudden someone goes missing body found week later another body and another body and you think hang on a sec mm, got a bit of a problem if they're all say teenage girls and that's the serial killer's mo yeah and he targets young girls then okay all young girls probably should be a little bit more sort of on guard, and probably the only way they're going to find out about this is through the news agencies. Um, and I think that's a very good service that that news um, platforms can provide people. Ideally, yeah. The, the problem with the um, with the night stalker Paul, there was no pattern to his victims, yeah, at all, which is so. I found that. Um, you know, staggering. Yeah. You recall one of the things that linked all the crimes? The shoes. Correct. That's That was my concern. The press basically wanted they to... They fucked up. Yep. Badly. Yep. Do you know that that was the only pair of shoes sold in that city? There was one pair sold. Oh, you mean of that kind, not of the only kind. pair of shoes sold in Los Angeles? No, no, yeah. well, that'd be a bit, bit sad because there'd be a lot of yep. barefooted people. But basically their problem was, look, if he finds out that we know these are the ways we're identifying his crimes yeah he's going to change shoes i don't know if that's true because i think he was taking pride i mean the thing is did he want to be caught he kept leaving signs Mm, no i don't think so paul okay okay in which case in which case the press coming and go basically going look we want to report on the shoes and then effectively blackmailing them into an interview um now yes that is the squeaky wheel gets the grease my Mm. question is if they had actually reported that and then he'd change shoes and more people had died as a result. That seems like pretty fucking live ammunition to be playing with when there's lives at stake. I so agree yes, with you. Paul, that, that's... And, yeah. You know, being in the press is about... I mean, being an actual journalist is about calling truth to power, right? And mm, telling yeah. the truth. Mm. But also going, look, does this help people? Because if you just get a scoop and you get lots of... You sell lots of papers, but getting that scoop ruins the case for the police and keeps this guy out there killing people for an extra year, then... Your scoop isn't worth it. Agree. Paul, I think it's all also very important to to remember that Mm -hmm. is the symbol that he left at some of the crimes. Oh yeah, the 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 demonic symbol stuff. Yeah. And that that had that had strong Mm. visceral memories of Charles Manson. Yes. Who who was the devil's child. Um but people are drawn to these people. Yeah. Many, many, many women. Many have married and 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 become involved with people that have committed atrocious crimes it's bizarre 
and people in jails, staff, and 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 lawyers, solicitors, mm. they get involved. You know, they because if you're a murderer or a rapist or a a pedophile or or whatever whatever your proclivity is to 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 crime, it doesn't mean that a you're not really smart. Mm. B, you could be very good-looking, male or female. You could be very attractive, handsome. C, you could have great charisma. You could be beguiling. Yeah. I mean, how do a lot of these murders and particularly um, uh, people that gain your trust... I mean, look at Ted Bundy. All his victims were... Late or were girls in their late teens, early twenties. A lot of them were at university, mm. but he used to um, remember that that terrible case because he he got around in that Volkswagen, and remember how he had that fake um, plaster cast on his arm, and he went to that crowded swimming spot, a beach or a big lake or something, and there were thousands of people there. That's so right. Yeah, it was, the, it was a weekend holiday, yep. and he just he just approached this girl because he was a good style of a bloke. Apart from being a mass murderer, aesthetically, you mean to look at. He was. Yeah. He'd studied law. He was. Look, he he was a smart guy, very high IQ, mm. and he would just look. It's the. But that's it's that 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 is different in that he was. His crimes were incredibly premeditated. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's 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 made. I God. It's really it's a good, look. It's it's a good show. It's it, I mean, it's like I said. I think stylistically, it makes some real missteps, but I think the actual crime is fascinating. If you mm. haven't already seen it, head across to Netflix. Otherwise, feel free to hop across to our Facebook page and let us know what you thought of the show, or if you have any other true crime series that are airing right now that you would like Dad and I to sink our teeth into. We still haven't done a dedicated episode on the staircase, which I think is a crime. Mm. It uh, is a crime, Paul. Good call. Yeah, it, well, it is. It's, I like know, it. Several. Uh, but look, I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends. We are going to be back first thing next week with a brand new episode of the show. We miss you all terribly. Um, Dad and I are already very, very keen to do a live show the second we can. We hope you're all well, and we will see you next week for more Loose Units. Bye. Cheerio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.